Hey, this is Wednesday 13, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, this is Rex from Kill Devil Hill, Panther. You're listening to Iron City Rocks. Crank it. All right, Welcome to episode 191 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I am your host, John, and we are coming to you from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 191, we are joined by new author, Rex Brown. You know what? Author Rex Brown? Yeah, he's the bass player of Pantera, Down, and also Kill Devil Hill. He's joining us to talk about his new book called Official Truth, 101 Proof which is an autobiography that kind of plays on the title of Pantera's live album. Uh, wasn't a big Pantera fan personally in the 90s. I didn't listen to a lot of heavy metal in that decade. As you know, there wasn't much to listen to outside of Pantera. Uh, but great read. The book is really, really good read. Uh, so we talked to Rex all about the book. And then we are also joined by Mike Hannon of the band American Dog, who will be coming into Pittsburgh uh, later on this week to do a show. Uh, there, the man, American Dog, Mike was formerly in the band Salty Dog, which you might uh, remember. So we are going to talk to him in just a little bit. But let's uh, get into the interview with Rex Brown. We're going to take you into that with a little bit of Kill Devil Hill, which uh, if you haven't heard yet, uh, the, the album came out in 2012. They're working on a new album, which he talks about. Uh, really, really cool stuff. So enjoy a little bit of Kill Devil Hill, and then we'll talk to Rex. Fantastic. Just had an opportunity to finish reading uh, your forthcoming autobiography, Official Truth 101 Proof. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about what kind of brought you to, to uh, you know the project and, and why you decided to kind of put your memoirs down now? Um, is there really a, a better uh, or uh, an exact time to do it? I, I have no idea. I didn't want yeah. to do it when I was dead. So yeah. I thought, uh, you know, uh, a friend, friend of a friend of mine uh, got me in touch with this author, and he uh, said, you know, why don't you write your stuff down? I think it would be a great time for, you know, me being uh, that I didn't really have a lot of uh, 
didn't really, t- I wasn't a big talker in the band. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more about the jam, you know? Yeah. Um, so I wanted to, uh, we started talking about it and I kind of decided, well, you know, I want to talk about, uh, you know, when I wasn't saying anything and all the he said, she said kind of stuff that was going down, um, with, you know, the independent era and everything else. Um, well, he didn't speak about it. I didn't want to know anything about it. So, sure. um, anyway, I just thought it was, a, it was, it was a good timing to, to go ahead and, uh, pursue this thing, you know, and I'm still a young man and, uh, hopefully have, uh, more to come. Yeah, look for a volume two. Um, now, when you did this with uh, with Mark Eglinton, did you um, did he kind of just interview you to audio, and then he did all the the transcribing stuff? Is that was the process you? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and then he would send me that that. Uh, it's a laborious task. Uh, I've okay. never written a book before, and uh, so it was uh, a good experience, very cathartic for me in a lot of ways, and. Um, all I can say is it's just my uh, my truth about you know right uh, my, you know uh, my jamming days you know sure one of the things that uh, I found kind of unique about your book and really enjoyable was the fact that you had um, a whole host of, of call them guests uh, um, you know some a little more famous and, and uh, than others uh, kind of add their two cents of you know, some family members uh, management people. Uh, Dimes, uh, longtime girlfriend Rita. Um, were those new interviews that that uh, you or um, Mark kind of set out to get, or were these kind of clips from things you had accumulated over the years from different other articles? Or no, these these were uh, directly from Mark. Um, okay. We we would come into a chapter and go, okay, well, you know, who would who could maybe? And we thought, but okay, let 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 me get. Uh, I wanted it in first person. Sure. Um, so anything that that uh, so we would talk about a chapter and what we were talking about, and he would go and he would go, well, who who would be you know good to interview maybe about this chapter or this and that, mm-hmm. and uh, I would just ramble off the top of my head and give him a number, and he would call him, and and it kind of uh, it kind of collaborates with what my story is and in and their and their take on it too, and it's it's mm-hmm. all true. You know? Yeah, it's all truth. Yeah, I I kind of enjoyed that because, you know, I mean, I think a lot of times when people sit down to write this, I mean, everyone has their own interpretation and own memories of things that happen. And as you go back... You know where I I really got that from? I I was reading, uh, when we first started this, I was reading Life by Keith Richards, and Mm -hmm. he had a lot of that in his book. Yeah. And uh, I'm a voracious reader of uh, of all kinds of uh, autobiography in this, you know, in the rock and roll kind of stuff. It's... uh, I read all the time, so um, I thought, yeah, man, I just I'll just rip Keith off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're gonna steal, you're gonna steal from somebody. Why not Keith? Uh, and might I suggest you ever have the chance? And, to and that was probably the best book I've, I've, I've read in ten years. I really enjoyed that book. So yeah, you know, I was thinking, oh, that you know that makes sense. You know, you got it all kind of lined out, and, and uh, what not a better uh, outline to use. Yeah, yeah. I might suggest if you're a Stones fan, Ronnie Wood's book was tremendous as well. It's a really, really good read. Um, uh, you have to get to that. It's a good one. Um, one of the things I think that kind of stood out to me uh, most in reading the book, and, and obviously I think everyone was aware of Pantera. Some, you know, hardcore fans may have known this a little more than I did at the time. But I mean, obviously, you dealt with the politics of, of a band 
that was comprised of two family members. But I think moreover than that, you dealt with with Jerry's impact on the band, which was was a little bit different. Can you talk a little bit about how that relationship was? Yeah, I can, but I'd rather have readers read it. Hey, um, it it's really kind of in-depth and, and uh, makes more sense on paper than it does over the phone. Sure. But uh, it's, it's one of those things that just happens to any artist that gets their foot in the door. Um, you know, you until you sell a certain amount of copies, then, you know, you're entitled to give so-and-so this much money and that much money and everything else that goes with it. So, you know, this is not this is no new story in any anybody's book this happens in every business industry everywhere yeah you know so this is just common common policy I, i'm just had to be the one to go back in and, and get you know our rights and everything else yeah clear. i think uh and so, I tell, and tell, I, so I tell my story about it you know sure yeah, i think publishing is one of the great mysteries that uh i think they ought to teach you on your first day of any musical instrument lesson is forget about the instrument let's talk publishing oh, first um one of the things that i think you you did a very nice job in the book in detailing was kind of called a, a camaraderie slash friendly rivalry with Metallica uh, and, and really how their artistic direction during the load reload kind of opened the door for what you guys did. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, was that a conscious decision, you know, artistically on you guys to just, you know, let's fill the void that Metallica kind of left with that? I think musically it was just a, uh, it was just it was just progression, natural progression. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as records and and writing of the songs and stuff like that, we never used them as saying, well, they came out with this, and so we're going to have to you know make it heavier. We always you know from the very first, you know, a lot of bands come out and they put records out that are, you know, the first first one's very strong, the second one gets weaker, and then it gets weaker and weaker and weaker. We we wanted to go the opposite way. We wanted to get heavier and heavier and heavier. Mm-hmm. And um, when you finally come to a roadblock where you kind of have to stop it, there's nothing, um, you know, you could say that, that, that we were, and I've known those guys since, you know, 84 or something like that. Mm-hmm. I've always dug their music. Um, it was just it was just our time, you know. Yeah. Um, that and writing good songs and, and uh, a lot of luck, you know. Yeah, it, it certainly is. I mean, you guys certainly bucked a lot of trends in the 1990s. Uh, and especially in this industry, you know, it, it's uh, it's hard to stay on top all the time. You have to reinvent yourself, and and uh, which is extremely hard to do sometimes. But um, if yeah. they were going through one of their times, we never consciously tried to, um, you know, tried to emulate or or do anything just watching what their career was doing. I'll just put it that way. Yeah, yeah. You just kind of you were aware of what they were doing, but didn't necessarily try to tick for tag. And, and, and like I said, it's just a natural progression music mm-hmm. for us. So yeah, uh, it just kind of coincided with their. Um, uh, you know what I'm saying? It's just there it was nothing against the talk. It was sure. Just, we didn't really dig the song. Yeah, you know? yeah. But certainly, certainly, I think that that's. Phil was that, a big advocate of uh, you know. Of uh, talking smack on the stage about that kind of stuff back in the day, so I thought it, I found it amusing, and also at the same time, you know, kind of uh, yeah, yeah, uh, think, kind of weird. So. Yeah, I think you alluded to that in, in some of the recordings of the, of the shows and things like that. It's kind of cringe um, with um, with with writing the book, and obviously you talk about um, the situation with your marriage and and your your demons 
that you had during that period? Was there anything that was especially, you know, as you were reading some of the, the, the contributors' comments that you looked back and kind of, you know, had any kind of remorse for or, or anything you might have done differently? No, I don't have any regrets. Um, you know, it's just part of living, you know. You, you have to live the experience in life to uh, mm-hmm. where your goal is going to be. And, and the more you mature, the, you know, the more you can look back at it and kind of, you know, sometimes laugh and sometimes go, what an idiot, you know. Yeah. But, uh, and, you know, this, like I said before, is, this was, you know, it's cathartic for me in so many different ways that, that uh, you know, after you have to go over ten final drafts, yeah, you know, it, it's uh, you. You know that some days I was sad, some days I was very happy. And, you know, it, it's just uh, just the way that it is. You know, it's uh, as part of writing a book. I think sometimes, and you know, especially if you're writing your your own truths and what you have to do, well, you, you better be completely, you know, fucking honest. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It, it, it isn't worth trying to BS. You're gonna, you know. If you're gonna call the book official truth, you better be. Better stand uh, with it. Yeah, the um, you know you talk in the book uh, a little towards the end, especially in the events of uh, December eighth, uh, about you know where the band was headed as far as you know would you guys ever come back together as a four piece unit? Um, do you see yourself at, at any point going down that path with the with the remaining members, or, or would you consider that at this point to be you know, water under the bridge and, and better off left? I'll just say this, I, I never say never. Um and that's a good way to kinda look at it. Yeah. Uh, you know, never say never because you never know what might happen tomorrow. Sure. Um all I can do is live for today and, and make the best of that and and that's my credo. Yeah. Um if if you don't mind, um just a question about Kill Devil Hill, a fantastic uh record you guys sure. put out uh last year. Um Really, really, I, I remember the first time I listened to it, and I was like, "My goodness, you know, you, you've got a, you know, call it a, a super group if you, if you want." But I'm listening to your singer, and I'm like, I've, "This voice sounds so familiar." And, and it took me a while to actually come around to, to John Sykes is is the name. He sounds so much like him. Um, yeah, I don't know why. It just kind of struck me when I was listening to. Uh, that's that's a different one, that's for sure. Um, I never I never thought of that either, and he does have that uh, Sykes quality. I, you know, a lot of people. Uh, compared to you know Lane Staley and all mm-hmm. that, just from influence, you know. Yeah. I think really, um, we're, we've got nine nine uh, songs uh, to bed already, and we're we have another let's see another five to go. So okay. uh, that's pretty much already demoed out and, and ready to go. Just uh, you know, I had this book tour and and, every, and trying to get this out, and uh, and uh, the new stuff we're doing with uh, Jeff Pelson from Foreigner and. Yeah. Uh, Talking that's co-producing, and he he'll come come up with these twists that we've never thought about, and uh, he's really trying to uh, help these uh, songs mature before they even get out. You know, so yeah. um, all I can say, if, if you like the first one, you'll be born with the second one. Just say, you know, um, we're, it's more of a collective effort on everyone's part, uh, more of a collaboration <clears throat> this time. Meaning that you know we we play together. You know, 150 some odd dates, and um, you know, the more you play or jam with someone, you know, um, uh, the more you start getting that feeling. You yeah. Know? And, and we're, right now we're on, you, you know, we're in we're in sixth gear for sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's... it's coming out really, really well, and I'm I'm uh, I'm floored. Um, 
we're going to try to get this thing out uh, in the summer. You know, it'll be early September. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd like to get it out tomorrow, but it can't happen. Yeah, that's um, unfortunate. It's one of those things. I want everybody to hear it. Yeah. But uh, it, it's really, really good. Uh, some of the melodies that Dewey's doing, I mean, the kid's a star. You know, he's just, he's that good. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. It always seems like you were a, kind of a musician's musician with, a, you know, a great field player. And, and, and you're right. I mean, you, you get together with these groups and, you know, you can have chemistry with, with uh, Vinny or, or whomever. Um, but then when you, you know, go out on the road and you do it, like you said, 100 times or 150 times in the course of a year, you're going to build chemistry that, uh, you know, the second one should be really exciting. So really look forward yeah, to Yeah, it, it's great. Um you know, especially with me and Benny playing together, to you know the uh, rhythm section has really, really uh, grown. Yeah. You know, uh, both respectfully, both both of us. Um, you know, we know exactly where each other are going, uh, coming and going. So it's it, it's a good feeling, and and um, you know, really, I hadn't felt this good about playing music in a long while. So. Yeah, you uh, I'm really excited. You know, this is going to be a really, really good year for. I don't mean with the band also. Yeah, it sounds great. Well, Rex, I don't want to keep you any longer. I appreciate your time very much. Have you ever listened to an album and thought to yourself, man, I could do so much better than that? Well, here's your chance. My name is Sue, and I've decided to write my next album live and online at RageAndApathy.com. So come on over, leave me a comment, and tell me what you think about the album and where you think it should go. And as a bonus for you Iron City Rockers out there, I will give you an exclusive copy of the first song as soon as I get it finished. So stop on over to RageAndApathy.com and join my madness. All right, again, a big thank you to Rex Brown for joining us on the show. Uh, it was really cool to talk to him. We had Vinnie Paul on uh, last year uh, talking about Hell Yeah, uh, a band that uh, he is touring with right now, and uh, it was cool to talk to Rex. I think both of them uh, kind of, I think, would like to see Pantera come back together. I think everyone would. Uh, it's just a question of, you know, does that honor uh, Dimebag's memory or does that detract from his memory if they were to get back together and, and you know who would take the shoes I know I've talked to Zach Wild about you know would he do it and you know his answer has always been with a heartbeat if they want to get together and do it he'd do it so I guess the only time will tell but uh, for those Pantera fans obviously they had a new uh, single out last year uh, one of the extra tracks from uh, Vulgar Display of Power uh, and Rex's book uh, is tremendous read, so you can pick that up. It is available now by the time you're listening to this. Uh, again, it's called Official Truth 101 Proof. So let's get into an interview that I did uh, very recently about a band that's coming into Pittsburgh later on this week. I believe they're here on the 16th to play the Dead Horse Cantina. The band is called American Dog. Michael Hannon, the vocalist, uh, joined us. He was a member of uh, Salty Dog. And also did some time with Dangerous Toys, if you remember, teasing, pleasing. Uh, so let's get into that interview with Michael, and uh, we will talk all about what's going on with that.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome to the show from the band American Dog. We have Michael Hannon. How are you doing, Michael? I'm doing great, man. It's a rainy day, but it's warm. Hey, I didn't yes. have to scrape ice off my truck this morning. It was wonderful. Where, where are you calling us from, Michael? Columbus, Ohio. Oh, my sympathies for being in Ohio, but yeah, it's still... it's still. Oh, we're the same as you, man. It's just a state line. We're exactly on the same level as you guys. It's yeah. the same weather, same everything. Man. Uh, yeah, I guess... Same it's, type of people, same rock and roll base, you know, it's all that kind of stuff. It's all the same, man. It really is. As long as it's not football season, I guess I can I can go with that. Come come uh, September, though, we, that's the enemy line right there. It's a turnpike. Um, you well, got, you should feel sorry for us when it comes to football, dude. You should, I don't think you have anything to worry about with us. No. <laughs> you just, <laughs> but at least we're not colorblind. We know the difference between yellow and gold, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and you guys, uh, at least in Ohio, there's some decent baseball, which we can't uh, lay claim to. But Well, you guys got the lowest salary in the entire Major League Baseball. Yeah. So it's difficult because basically baseball players are whores. They'll go to the highest bidder. That's yeah. why the Yankees always win. Hey, I'd go. I'd go to the highest bid too, so I can't blame them. But you guys are uh, coming in this Saturday. You said um, the Dead Horse Cantina and McKee's Rocks. Uh, Absolutely, looking forward to. It. We haven't played Pittsburgh area for a long time. Last time we did it was like three years ago down at the Thirty First Street Pub. Okay, yeah. So you're going to the other side of town, but yeah, you're going to be down. Um, you want to give people a little bit a uh, background on what American Dog is for those not familiar? We've been together for twelve years now. We're a Hard rock trio. I mean, my past, I was in a band on Geffen called Salty Dog. And then after that, I was a touring bassist for Dangerous Toys. And after touring with Dangerous Toys 200 shows in one year, I saw that rock and roll was still alive. Like I said, going back to me and you talking Ohio, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. in this part of the country. Yeah. Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Kentucky. That's where rock and roll is live because here in this part of the country, we don't care about fashion as much. <laughs> no, that is true. You know what I mean? We, we stick to our guns and what we like, you know? Yeah. And uh, that's kind of what happened there. I mean, it, it, it. I saw, you know, rock and roll is good. And so we I came back here and started from scratch. And we've been doing that, just blowing up a dust storm all over the Midwest as much as we can. Now, are you originally from the, the Ohio area? Yeah, I'm from Columbus originally. Uh, like most people, when I went out to L.A. to do this old dog thing, uh, like everybody else in L.A., nobody was from L.A. Yeah. Never met anybody was from there. I mean, like if you look at, you know, Warren, Janie, he was from uh, uh, the Youngstown. Youngstown, area, yeah. Youngstown, Ohio. And, you know, like the, or the singer from uh, Salty Dog, he's from Youngstown. I mean, tons of people just went out, you know, to L.A. because it was either that or New York. It's a lot cheaper in L.A. to live, and it's warm all the time. Yeah, yeah. In Pennsylvania, we can lay claim, for better or worse, to poison. Yeah, they're from our our neck. Yeah, of you the got. Wood. Where are they from? They're they're from the middle of the state. Yeah, right? well, Brett, Brett actually was born near Butler, PA, um, which isn't that far from Youngstown, ironically. So, you know, this part of the country could be blamed for for you know probably the, the guts of hair metal. But hey, we'll we'll take it. Hey, um, still rock and roll, to me, man. Yeah, let's, let's just back up a little bit. On, uh, talk about the salty dog. As you mentioned, you were with Geffen, which was was a label that you know didn't really start out with metal, but obviously struck gold with um I don't know, say gold, but they struck platinum many times over with White Snake and Guns N' Roses. And um, Aerosmith. I mean, yeah, the yeah. back of Aerosmith. I mean, yeah, it was a happening label, man. Yeah. When did you guys sign with them? Uh, we signed in 89. Okay. The album came out in January of 90. Okay. And it was a really authentic sound uh, album. We kind of got, uh, we had a very, uh, at the time everybody played pointy guitars, mm-hmm. and the drums almost sounded like those little 
compressed electronic things, and our drums sound like big John Bonham drums. Yeah. And, you know, we were very bluesy-based. We were kind of in league with, uh, I'd say, more of the, the Badlands okay. and Junkyards at the time. Yeah, boy, there was a band I haven't heard in a long Junkyard. That was a great, great band. Yeah, uh, we played shows with them, as a matter of fact. I remember playing one show at the Roxy with them. Yeah, I mean, that was some good company. I mean, I think a lot of people... Um, you know, looking back, you can respect the hell out of Badlands. Unfortunately, it didn't blow up the way it should have uh, for those guys either. But it was obviously a, a tough time, um, you know, making your debut album in 1990. wasn't, unfortunately, ideal. Um, but um, was the, the record label at that time still fairly supportive of the project? Yeah, the, the label was fine. It was uh, it was the band that screwed everything up. Uh, yeah, that'll do it, too. It, it wasn't the label. I, you know, I would certainly call them names and call them jack wagons if I wanted to, but uh, it really wasn't them at the time. Yeah. They could have helped a little more than they did, but in the end it was uh, implosion by the band. Yeah, and that'll happen. I mean, I know a, a lot of musicians we talked to, you know, it seemed to be about 1991 where bands went from being the darling of the record label to being kind of an afterthought. So that was the reason for my question was, you know, I would never actually talk to anybody who was on Geffen at that time, so it was interesting to see because Geffen was incredibly successful, you know, even through... Yeah, I mean, Jesus, everything was... Good. I mean, it, Jackal was doing great. Jackal was on Geffen. So, it was, I mean, Junkyard didn't really do good. Uh, we we did 300,000 copies ourselves. But, you know, but with Guns N' Roses and Whitesnake and Aerosmith, that was just... The records were flying out of there. Yeah, could you imagine doing 300,000 today? Wow. Oh, Jesus Christ, you'd be as big as fucking John Bon Jovi. <laughs> yeah, you'd be playing arenas. But, yeah. uh, and, and you mentioned, you, you hook up with... Um, uh, Dangerous Toys uh, and did some touring with them and then um, how did how did this band you, the American Dog is a trio correct yeah uh -huh. and and were you all from the, the Ohio area were these yeah, guys you kind of met along the way yeah as a matter of fact uh, our drummer is actually a Pennsylvania guy okay he lived in Scranton and he moved to Ohio later to, uh, his work uh, he got work there in New Philadelphia Ohio which is right across the border from you guys right over okay. just, just west of Pittsburgh and uh He's our resident Steelers fan. So we always have one, yeah. Yeah, well, we're, we're, me and our guitar player Steve, we're both Browns fans, so we always get good spirited fun in all, uh, the fall. Yeah. So then you've, you guys have done quite a few albums now, correct? Yeah, we've done six. Okay. I'm sorry, seven studio albums, two EPs, a live album, and three DVDs. Okay. You know, I was looking th down through that, and I was like, you know, these guys have a hell of a catalog, I mean, for... You know, a band that's kind of... You guys aren't with a major label, correct? This is Well, we're, we're on a, a good label in Europe. Okay. Uh, we're on the label Bad Reputation, which is out of uh, France, out of Paris. And uh, so that's why you get to go to Europe every year. Okay. Tours over there. Like, we just, in November, I think we did like 29 shows in 31 days in six countries. Okay. And we've done probably 15, 16 European tours now. Yeah, and that's it's interesting that, you know, the reception for so many artists seem to be better on the other side of the ocean, quite honestly. Well, you know, you know there's garbage that happened over here, the rap rock crap where your pants are falling down, you got to show your underwear. That crap never happened in Europe. Yeah. You know, and it, rock and roll just kept going. It was a, the normal thing. I mean, and, and and so that I think that really helped. So, you know, when bands go over there, it's just like part of the norm. It's like, yeah, rock and roll, dude. There's yeah. rock and roll clubs that are going, you know, six or seven days a week all, all over the place. And you're like, in Barcelona, you'll... There's motorhead bars. And like okay. the doorways painted like they're, they're, uh, they're monster, the war pig. You walk through the mouth. 
I mean, it's you don't see that crap in the U.S., man. It's really cool, man. Uh, it's it's really re- rock and roll alive and well in Spain, France, the U.K., and Germany. Yeah, but boy, I tell you what, that does bring an interesting idea: Motorhead Bar and Grill. It, it could be a yes. It could be like, a money maker. Everybody's on Facebook. Look for the Motorizer Bar. Motorhead. It's in. I think it's in Barcelona. Yeah, we'll be uh, scheduling a vacation club to go over That's there. Great. Oh, dude, Spain is off the hook fun. Yeah, this sounds great. Um, so you, you guys are doing, you guys do mostly weekend shows in the U.S.? Is that kind of hard? Yeah, we do what we can. We take as many shows as we can. We're just having trouble finding a, a booking agent. Yeah. And we're, we're trying to, we keep going. We just That's why we keep putting out records. We put out an album every year. We just keep throwing punches. We figure something's going to land sometime. Yeah, yeah. That is, a, it seems to be the a booking agent can make or break. I think everyone learned a lot about yeah. You know the the Are you there? the trial. Yeah, Check. I'm sorry. Okay, you cut out on me. That's all right. I think a lot of people learn the trials and tribulations of uh, booking agents and the problems that can arise from watching the Anvil movie. You know, you end up somewhere you don't get paid. And, you know. Yeah, I mean that's kind of it. I mean that's what we're, we we're our own management. We're our own record company in the U.S. We just kind of find places to book us, and you can always find out kind of if a uh, clubs in the U.S. are for real, what's going on by just contacting them. Very faithful. Say, hey, we're booked to play there. And give me the address. I'll send you posters and stuff. Then you find out. We start talking to them and build a relationship with the club itself, and you can find what the real story is. Yeah, and, and let me ask you this because I mean I know a lot of people, you know, back in the you know the heyday of, of, of the hard rock and stuff, bands used to kind of work areas. I mean, is that kind of the philosophy you guys follow? You know, like maybe you'll hit Pittsburgh in you know twenty thirteen. Yeah, well, I mean, kind of the, yeah we're in Columbus. We're in Columbus, so you know. From here, us around in a circle, it'd be Cleveland, Pittsburgh, you know, down to Parkersburg, Louisville, Indianapolis, Chicago, and then back, you know? So we're trying to, if, when you're just doing weekends, to, to save money on hotels, you drive back when you're done. Yeah. And, and Columbus is being right in the middle of the state of Ohio. You can get to Cincinnati or Louisville or Pittsburgh or Indianapolis pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we're just self-contained and try to do things like that until we can get on a decent tour, and then we'll go as far as we can. Yeah. Now, do you look at any of the kind of the you know festivals that seem to be cropping up in the U.S. Although they're not nearly significant, like Rock on the Range, or do you put any feelers out for those things, or are those two different? Yeah, places? we always apply for like you know, there's Rock Oklahoma, which is more in our wheelhouse than Rock on the Range. Okay. Rock on the Range is right here in Columbus. I mean, uh, but it's more about. But, Newer metal, I would yeah. call it, I guess. Yeah. Corns and Limp Biscuits and stuff. So that's not really our crowd, but we would play it, you know, to try. I mean, Cheap Tricks there, of all things, that's an odd bill, I think. In the yeah. Movie. It always seems to be an odd bill. Yeah. But, yeah. But we try all those things, man. There's the M3 over yeah. there in Maryland. They get some great stuff over there in the Baltimore yeah. area. Yeah. Uh, we keep trying to shoot for Baltimore as well. Yeah, Baltimore is... is See, yeah. now, if it was all about football, we wouldn't play these cool places now, will we? I, I have to... <laughs> there's, a, there's a different world for sports, man, than rock and roll, as far as I'm concerned. I, yeah, I love Pittsburgh. I had uh, Steve Whiteman of Kicks on, and it was all I could do. You know, I had to ask him, you know, you know Steelers, Baltimore, and, you know, of course, he was a Ravens fan. And, you know, I'd still go see him in a heartbeat if they were in Pittsburgh, but I certainly don't know that I'd drive down to Baltimore to see him. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I mean... That's what I, I wouldn't want him to say Pittsburgh. You want him to say Baltimore. You gotta, I, respect, you gotta respect guys like their team where they're from. Come on, yeah. you know, you stick with it. I'm a Browns fan. If if I would, you know, it'd be easy enough. If I wasn't a diehard Browns fan, believe me, I'd have quit on them by now. They've been stinking for the last decade. Yeah. But you know, you got You are what you is, 
And, yeah. you know, it's like to me, I, got, I love Pittsburgh, the city. I love hanging out. you got a great place there. I mean, it's just a football rivalry. And, dude, football, we're rooting for the clothing, let's face it. Because yeah. those guys, you know, Harrison's probably going to be on the Ravens next year. You never know. Oh, yeah. They deserve him at this point. That would be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Get to, let the, the one ex- He'd probably fit better in Cincinnati, though, wouldn't he? Because he's a dirty player. <laughs> I don't, I don't think, so. you think about it. If they had James Harrison replace uh, Ray Lewis, I mean, that's not so inappropriate, you know. I mean, yeah. So, hey, I understand. Okay, well, you're going to be in, um, do you know what time you guys go on? You're coming on the 16th, I believe that is, to play the I Dead Horse? I have no idea. Okay. I'd imagine 10-ish. Okay. I don't know. I'm guessing. Right. There's two other bands on the bill is Planet Nine's coming. Okay. Uh, they're a great band. They're kind of from all over. The guitar players in, uh, uh, what you call it, uh, he lives in Pittsburgh now, Vinny. Okay. And well, let me see. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting from my computer here. And I'll see what the other bands are, because I hate to do that to people. Because I know there's other bands on the show. Uh, Dead Horse Cantina, The Dirty Charms, and Serpent Lord. <laughs> I like that name, Serpent Lord. Great. And then you guys are, I'm assuming, bringing all the CDs and stuff, so if people want to Absolutely, man. Show, which That's is the way you survive these days. Yeah. And for those of you listening, you know, keep that in mind. You know, these guys spend the gas money. I'm, I'm sure you're not making a mint driving out here to play a show, you know. Buy no, a we're not. Drive, buy a T-shirt, buy a, buy a CD, you know, keep keep the music alive by, you know, hunting up a few bucks for, you know, a CD of the show, which is cheaper than, you know, getting it at Walmart, and it's also giving more of that money back into your pocket, I'm sure. Heck yeah. All right, well, Michael, I want to thank you for taking the time. I really do appreciate it, and we'll see you Saturday night. Oh, great. Looking forward to seeing you, man. I'll buy you first beers on me. All right, again, a big thanks to Michael Hannon for coming on talking about American Dog. Again, they are at the Dead Horse Cantina, which is in McKee's Rocks. For those of you in the Pittsburgh metropolitan area, that is just a very, very quick uh, trip over the West End uh, to get to that. And you can get the uh, tickets for that. Uh, You can go to the Dead Horse Cantina's Facebook page. Trust me, if you search for Dead Horse Cantina, you're not going to have a lot uh, of things that are ambiguous to choose from, so you'll find it really easy. They have a tremendous amount of shows uh, coming to that location. They have Tough, Don Dockin. Um, I've had some really, really intimate shows at that venue, so definitely worth checking out. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you the song that we went into the interview with was called Devil Dog from American Dog. Uh, so you definitely notice a canine connection with Michael. Uh, so it was great. I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen to the show. You can find us on facebook.com forward slash Iron City Rocks. Twitter.com forward slash Iron City Rocks or just go to ironcityrocks.com. Use the contact link there if you're a band that's interested in being on the show or you have some feedback on the show itself. Uh, we would appreciate any iTunes ratings or subscriptions that you could uh, do for us. Uh, we're very, very easy to find. There's a link right on our homepage to the iTunes. Uh, we also have the I, uh, iPhone app, the Cast Iron Ring Connect. It'll keep you up to date on all the concert events and the podcasts and stuff like that. So we'd ask you to check that out. And if you're in the market for free iOS apps, you can also check out Cast Iron Ring at the iPhone App Store. That's another uh, app that I've done for free. Uh, Cast Iron Ring is a collection of podcasts to which Iron City Rocks belongs to with some tremendous, tremendous content. Uh, We just released the Cast Iron Ring second podcast, which features an interview that... uh, was done with a gentleman named Mitch LaFont who is from Montreal and he is organizing a KISS tribute album uh, for a charity uh, to take care of uh, hospice and palliative care 
Uh, so Mitch tells us all about the incredible array of artists he's assembling, including uh, Rex, I believe, uh, was involved with the charity, Rex Brown, that is, uh, to make kind of a unique collection of Kiss songs, not just the same old retreads, uh, but really from bow to stern, they're covering Kiss's catalog to celebrate their 40th year and to help raise money for a good cause. So head over to castironring.com. You can find that uh, episode right on the homepage. Also, uh, facebook.com forward slash castironring and twitter.com forward slash iron, er, castironring. And again, thank you for taking the time to listen. And uh, just one more thing, if you haven't already heard, Iron City Rocks has now released its sister podcast, Heavy Metal Book Club. So you can uh, check out heavymetalbookclub.com and get all the links and the subscription and all that if you're a fan of the hard rock literature. So until next time, we thank you for listening. <laughs>